You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Maynard Roberts. I hope you're all doing okay this week. Our current serial is Musketeer Space, Chapter 14, The Madness of the Duchess of Buckingham. One week ago, Georgiana Villiers, Duchess of Buckingham and Ambassador of Valour, Buck to her friends, was ready to go home. The planet of honour was appallingly hot from one end to the other, and the southern hemisphere was the worst of all. If you were going to spend this much time in air-conditioned bars and hotels, you might as well be on the moon. Except, of course, she wasn't allowed on the moon. It was worse in Oster than it had been anywhere else. For this entire grand tour of stay away from the Regents' husband, she'd mostly been able to relax and enjoy herself, visiting different cultures and communities across the nine continents. Here in Oster, though, everything reminded her of Alec and the unholy mess they had made for themselves last year when a fun flirtation turned into something far too serious. So many of the local inhabitants had trails of metallic scales on their light gold-brown skin. They wore the scales like beauty marks and damn it if they weren't exquisite, every single one of them. A whole country full of Alex. Spirit save me. The other new aristocrats, the top families the bug mixed with socially, all either knew Alec or had heard of him. Half the men and most of the women she danced with at the government ball upon her arrival were related to Alec's family. Since Buck had been up on Luna Palais only six months ago, they constantly dug at her for gossip about his health, happiness, hair colour, fitness regime, and, of course, his beautiful wife who ruled the solar system. Local boy makes good. Buck was not going to tell them all the truth, of course. There would be no confession of a flirtation gone too far, a potential PR disaster of epic proportions, or that she still couldn't stop thinking about him. No one wanted to hear that the eight years left on Alec's marriage contract to the Regents had become a millstone around all of their necks. She would tell no one that Alec and Buck were still exchanging texts, discreet little conversational snippets on the subspace comms on a daily basis. He wanted to see her again before she went home and, oh, she wanted to see him. There were no words to describe how much of a bad idea that was, but they both wanted. A week to go before a musketeer pilot arrived to escort her back to Valor. And Buck had still not decided what to do. Meanwhile, with almost all of the formal events finally done, there was beer. Cold beer was the best thing about honour in general, and Oster in particular. The locals took great pride in keeping it as cold as possible, despite the inhospitable weather. Buck had only tried 30 of the Austerian top 40 local beers in the bar nearest her hotel, and she was determined to complete the list before that damned ship arrived to escort her home like a naughty teenager who'd been caught kissing a boy from the wrong school. She was settling down to a glass of something called Griffin's Sweat, 
when the door to the bar opened and a raven sauntered in. He recognised Buck immediately and came over to her. She took a mouthful of the beer, savoured its chill, and wondered what she had done wrong now. Your Grace, the messenger said. He had a black cap pulled down over his head, which accentuated his pale skin and stone grey eyes. I have an urgent message from Madame Marie Chevreuse. That Buck had not expected. She reached her hand out for his clamshell, but instead he offered her a stud on his wrist to scan with her own. The ID code confirmed he did indeed come directly from Chev. Vocal message only, Buck said, raising her eyebrows. This should be fun. I have permission to cover the drinks tab, said the raven, if that helps. It does indeed. Buck waved him towards the bar. Have them print me a glass of Desert's Daughter Old Peculiar, and they can pour me a draught of that hand-brewed ale they make in the back shed while we're at it. Buck finished the griffin's sweat while she was waiting for her messenger to return. It tasted better than it had any right to with a name like that. Okay, she said, when the black-capped raven had returned and the drinks were lined up before her. Break it to me. What is my sweet chevreuse up to over in whichever of the floating cities of truth she got exiled to? She's waiting at your hotel, he told her. Buck spluttered into the desert's daughter's old peculiar and slammed the glass down. What the f- She wanted me to break it to you gently, said the messenger with an apologetic smile. I'm not very good at gentle. He was attractive, especially when he smiled like that. Buck wasn't so stupidly love-struck that she couldn't appreciate a fit man in uniform, even if it was the rather dull uniform of the Independent Messenger Corps. She's here to join you, on your flight home to honour. She doesn't trust me, Buck muttered. Even my friends don't trust me. Damn it all. Guilt rose up in her throat like bile. Buck had been inconvenienced by the events of that night six months ago. But Chevreuse had been destroyed, exiled formally from honour space. This planet was the last place she should be. Chev could be arrested if anyone pinged her identity. All because Buck couldn't be trusted not to throw the last shreds of her own personal honour and diplomacy away for one night with Alec. Chevreuse was unforgivably always right. I'm going to need more beer, Buck muttered. That I can help with, said the raven. What's your name? she asked, when the messenger returned with further examples from the top forty. Slate, he said, giving her an odd look. Perhaps people didn't ask his name very often. Ravens were ravens. You saw them flitting about from place to place, but you didn't need to know about them as individuals. That was sad, Buck decided. Far too sad. Are you married, Slate? Ever been in love? His eyes, if possible, became a frostier shade of grey. I was married once, he said. It ended badly. Oh, endings, 
Buck slurred, waving her glass at him. Love affairs, marriages, all end badly. All badness. It's the good bits you start out with. Those are the good bits. She was drunker than she had realised, drunker than she had intended. Thoughts bubbled up into her mouth like they wanted to be free. Would you wait eight years for the man you loved? Slate the raven gave her a strange smile. That would depend on what I was waiting for him to do. Buck felt the first prickle of danger, but it was too late. The bar dissolved around them. He stood out, clear and sharp against this fog. A man with a lovely face, all cheekbones and grey eyes and a sad, sad smile underneath the black cap that didn't suit him at all. You're not a raven, she said, as the pieces fell into place. You're... I don't think you work for anyone. Oh, believe me, sweetness, Slate said. And his voice was different now, smooth like silk underwear and vintage brandy. I'm getting paid. Something in the beer, Buck muttered, trying to stay awake. A little something, he admitted. What's your name? Your real name, not Slate. He leaned back in his chair, regarding her thoughtfully. You can call me Winter, if you like. It doesn't signify as you won't remember this when you're awake. I am awake, aren't I? Buck looked wildly around her, but the bar was frozen in amber. Her senses were fuzzy, blurring into each other. Nothing felt real. In one manner of speaking, yes, but in another, it's complicated. I put a microstud in your drink that is burrowing its way into your brainstem, even as we speak. That means you're going to be susceptible to anything I tell you. Winter leaned in and tapped Buck sharply on the side of the head. I actually left the bar ten minutes ago. Urgent appointment back on Valor, you understand. Politics waits for no one. But look at me. Sitting right here inside your head. I will see everything you see. Hear everything you say. And if you follow a path I don't like, I can simply correct you. Convenient, yes? Buck gazed at him, taking in every plane of his face, cheekbones, jaw. It's treason, then, she whispered. That's the only reason anyone would go to so much trouble. Georgiana, that's hilarious. He neither laughed nor smiled. Winter was a good name for him. He was cold all the way down to his veins. What a lack of imagination you have. The beautiful things we're going to do together are far more sophisticated than mere treason. What then? Winter's eyes blazed into hers, like an ice comet powering through space. Love first, then war. They go together so nicely, don't you find?
Buck forgot about the man called Winter who now lived inside her head. He was gone from her memory before she stood and left the bar and made her oops too many beers way back to the hotel. She continued to not remember his existence when she discovered Chevreuse in her hotel room and they had a blazing row about promises, exiles and whether or not either of them could be trusted to keep it in her pants. They both conceded moral high ground on that one. Later, once the friends had called a truce, and the heavily pregnant Chevreuse was fast asleep on one side of Buck's spacious bed, Buck's clamshell chimed with a text from Alec. Are you asleep? he asked. Too hot to sleep, she said back. I want to see you before you head home, he said next. No flirtation. No pretense. Buck stared at the message for a long time. Yes, breathed a voice. She looked up and was startled to see Winter sitting at the end of her bed. He was not in disguise anymore. His hair was silvery, falling around his face. He wore grey and white pyjamas, a soft blend of silk and cotton that showed their quality and expense in every shimmery movement. His feet were bare, but he looked every inch an elegant new aristocrat. There was an arch-moneyed confidence to him, like every other man she had known growing up, except for the hard edges around his lovely face. Oh, and the fact that he was living inside her head. You... Buck said, remembering all at once in a wave of anger and nausea. Is this it? The peace of the solar system hangs on this one moment. Me texting yes or no to the prince consort. One moment. Winter scoffed, stretching out like a cat on the covers. He pushed Chevreuse's foot out of the way, and she did not stir. Of course, he was not really here. As if we would bank everything on a single moment. A chess game is full of moves and moments and decisions. Right now, my job is to get one particular piece to one particular place and time. The rest is up to you. Buck stared down at her clamshell again. Yes, no, or maybe. She typed yes and... I have a plan, and sent them both before she could change her mind. Winter tilted his head back, smiling winsomely at her. That's my girl. I might have said yes anyway, Buck said angrily. You didn't have to do all this. Oh, Georgiana, he said, as if sorry for her. The people I work for pay a lot of money to make sure there's no such thing as a maybe. A few hours ago. You can still change your mind, said Chevreuse, for the tenth time. Buck and Chev sat in the seats, against the back of the cabin, bickering in an undertone so as not to distract their pilot. Dubois was another old friend, who could be trusted to be discreet, no matter how much she disapproved of what they were doing. 
We've covered everything, Buck insisted. Alec, she was finally going to see him again, probably for the last time while his marriage lasted. A lot could happen in eight years. Dubois has shielded her fin, so no one will connect my flight from Honor to Valor with a ship that touched down briefly in the old dome on Luna Palais. Conrad will make sure no one sees Alec leaving the palace. We haven't heard back from Conrad in two days, Chauvereau snapped. Buck wasn't sure whether it was the pregnancy or the possibility of arrest that made her friend so irritable. You know why I'm doing this. Chev laughed at that. I know why you say you're doing it. Alec's a wild card, cooped up in that palace, hardly any of his own supporters left. Do you know how many people there are who are down on Oster who care about him? Enough to start a war, I expect. Everything that happened last time, it was out of his control, our control. If he never sees me again, he'll resent the regents and their marriage contract forever. He'll be a sitting duck for any petty conspirator who figures out what buttons to push. But maybe, if I can talk properly to him, I can repair some of the damage. Chevreuse looked at her with heavily lidded eyes. It's fascinating the way you manage to make this sound patriotic. I'm impressed too, said Winter, draping himself over the helm. He wore a flight suit this time, but his feet were still bare, those feet of his. They curled like cat's paws against the cool metal floor of the Colin Guillaume. Winter played with Dubois' cables and tweaked at her flight suit, but she did not react to his presence. I thought I was the master of compartmentalization, but you leave me in the shade, sweetness. Buck sighed, turning her eyes away from the bastard that only she could see. You have no jurisdiction on this flight, Chev. You can't stop me. I know, said her friend in a low voice, her hand resting on the curve of her stomach. I was hoping you'd stop yourself. Now. They didn't talk. Alec stepped up into Dubois' ship and let the sight shield fall away so she could see him standing there, all gold and silver and green. He wore a peacock-coloured coat that glowed with diamond studs, not exactly a subtle outfit for a secret rendezvous. He looked sad and uncertain beneath that fall of bright emerald hair. Everything that Buck had convinced herself she would say to him fell away with the sight shield. She didn't speak. She kissed him, and he kissed her back, holding her face in his hands, as if she was precious, unbreakable. She rubbed his cheek gently against hers, and she felt the gentle tugging rasp of his silver scales against her soft skin. You don't have to fuck him, said Winter. Buck gasped with the shock of it. The remembering. It happened that way every time, like a bucket of cold water, reminding her that she wasn't here by choice. Except, of course, she was. She was right here, doing exactly what she had promised she would never do. They had a witness, 
a sarcastic barefoot witness who had burrowed himself into her brain. Alec kissed down her neck, burying his face in the swell of her breasts as he lowered the zip of her flight suit. Buck, he moaned. Buck stared over his head to Winter, who sat on the helm, feet dangling off the edge. He wore an Emerald Knight's fan shirt now over silver jeans. He waggled his bare toes cheerfully at her. How could she communicate with the invader without Alec hearing her and thinking she was crazy? Not that Alec was interested in anything she had to say right now, his mouth hungry against her ear, his hands catching hers, squeezing their fingers together. I mean it, said Winter. All that matters is that enough people think you're banging away in here. It doesn't make a difference to the crown or the realm or the chess game, whether you actually let him into your knickers. No one will say anything, she said in a whisper. I know, said Alec, thinking that she spoke to him. He came up for air, gazing into her face. We have good friends, Buck. They're all trustworthy. He kissed her mouth deeply and she kissed him back inhaling the scent of him, the taste. I will never have this again. Oh, very trustworthy, Winter said, and Buck was too busy tasting her prints to see him, but she could hear the smirk in his voice. Still, secrets get out, Georgiana. One way or another, you and your man here will pay for tonight's deed. I won't remember this, Buck told herself desperately, I won't remember this. I won't remember that he was here ruining everything. Alec knew something was wrong. He stepped back, not knowing why she hesitated, or perhaps thinking of a hundred reasons why she would. Buck, he said softly, have you changed your mind about me? Never, she said fiercely and threw herself at him. No one else matters, not right now. His mouth on hers was hot and hungry. They had waited for so long to be together. Winter laughed. A moment later, Buck forgot that he had ever been there. Take that coat off, she hissed, pulling the peacock garment roughly from Alec's shoulders. Take it all off. Keep the coat, whispered Winter in her ear, a final command before he disappeared completely. Whatever happens, Georgiana, hang on to that coat for me. It will come in very useful indeed. Later. I could come with you, said Alec. They lay wrapped up in each other, mostly naked, on the floor of the small spaceship. Buck wore his jacket, bright with peacock colours and diamond buttons, and nothing beneath it. She never wanted to take it off. No, she said. We're not that stupid. Are you sure? He nuzzled against her, his mouth making soft kisses against her shoulder, her collarbone. I feel that stupid. This was why Chevreuse was here, Buck realised. Not to stop this one night of passion, but to make sure that was where it stopped. Conrad and Dubois served the crown. Their contracts ensured that they had to obey if Prince Alec gave them a direct order. But Chevreuse, 
was already in disgrace in exile. As a mere citizen of the solar system, she was obliged to obey a reasonable demand from the crown, but not to obey unthinkingly. Chevreuse had spent her whole life cleaning up the messes left behind by the crown. Buck had no doubt that she would break a thousand rules to stop this particular catastrophe from becoming a reality. Buck owed Chevreuse more than she could ever say. Their bonds of friendship could only take so much before they shattered. There was another life waiting for them both, elsewhere in the solar system. Shh, she said, and stopped Alec's mouth with a deep kiss. We have this right now. We can't take more. Don't be greedy. In this one thing, at least, she could be selfless. Much later, Valor, finally, Buck was home. Dubois put the Colin Guillaume down discreetly at the smallest space dock in southern Castellian, at the border between the County of Triumph and the Duchy of Buckingham. Normally, Buck's homecomings were more dramatic, with a party atmosphere and crowds of paparazzi chronicling her antics. Perhaps she was getting old, because the thought of that made her want to drown herself. Quietly slinking onto the planet felt about right. Her highest security comm stud filled with alerts as soon as she entered Valor space. Messages, appointments, requests for her attention. She was home. Being in Valor space meant being bombarded all over again with the political issues of the day. The referendum on planetary independence. The ethical question of terraforming the last unclaimed continent. And, of course, the ongoing religious tensions between the Church of All and the Elementals, who were growing their support here on Valor. There was the election, coming up in a year's time, the one where Buck was expected to run for First Minister of Valor, now that her political credentials had been bolstered by her term as ambassador. If only the media knew how much of that term had been spent sampling the beers of honour. Would that make her more or less popular with the voters? If Alec had abandoned his wife to come with her, he would have only found himself tied to another woman who was expected to dedicate every hour of every day to politics. Buck was tempted to wear the peacock coat through the space dock. One final rebellion. Instead, she hid it, deep in her luggage, not wanting Chevreuse to know about it. Your skimmer should be here shortly, Chev told her now. And your entourage, she checked her comstud. Through here. She led Buck to a small, bleak meeting room. They'll meet us in a minute. Oh! Chevreuse folded up like a piece of broken furniture. And Buck lunged for her, only just catching her in time. Slowly, she lowered the other woman to the floor. Oh, shit! Is it the baby? Chev, wake up! Her friend's skin was very cold and too pale, contrasting against the bright pink braids that framed her face. Chevreuse, Buck said insistently, and raised her wrist to call for help through the comstud. A man cleared his throat. My apologies for the inconvenience, Your Grace. Not now, we need... 
Buck's protest died in her throat. You! It was the man in her head. That bastard Winter, but it wasn't quite him. He seemed different. Shoes, actual shoes for once, covering those pretty feet of his. He wore a discreet grey suit, like he was one of the hundreds of bureaucrats she had to deal with every day in her usual life. Instead of the wild silver tendrils falling around the sharp planes of his face, he had dull brown hair that made him look like no one in particular. Even his grey eyes were muted. Same cheekbones you could cut a sandwich with, though. Your Grace, he said in an officious voice. Allow me to introduce myself properly. Now I am no longer wearing my raven disguise. I am the Lord de Winter, brother-in-law to the Countess of Clarick. I am also the newly appointed Private Secretary of the Interior. I hold the portfolio for covert intelligence. Buck blinked, for a moment seeing double as that other Winter appeared behind his real-life double, barefoot and blowing kisses at her. He wore black pyjama pants and a copy of the peacoat coat that Alec had given her over a bare chest. His hair was sleep-rumpled and silver. It was quite easy to tell one winter from another. "'What do you want?' Buck said, still holding her friend in her arms. "'Is Chevreuse—' "'Please don't worry about her, Your Grace,' said Milord de Winter. "'She will not take serious harm for this brief spell. I thought it best that we speak alone.' He smiled politely. You're going to open your case and show me the diamonds that the Prince Consort gave you. Buck closed her eyes tightly. Would this ever be over? And then, she snarled, what happens after that? You know the answer to that, sweetness, said the silver-haired Winter that lived inside her head. You're going to forget all about me, as if I was never here. And our real work begins. Thank you for listening to Musketeer Space. Uh, you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.